the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Leibson. As we head into Hour 2, you hear us keep talking about how this is the most important election uh, in our lifetime, uh, which I agree it is. And as Lincoln said to John Hay, as secretary, it's all our soil. But there are races within this election, and I don't want to say one is more important than the other because of that Lincolnian point, but I'm telling you right now, if we don't get our county attorney election right, we are in the soup, which is why we have such a great candidate. I am so happy to bring her back onto the show to talk to you about her candidacy, our current county attorney, Rachel Mitchell. Rachel, it's been too long. My fault. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me back, Seth. You betcha. This ra- I, this race is just so dang important. You know, I talk about this. You talk about this to different audiences. You know, um, people may tire of hearing uh, this point, but I can't stress it enough. Uh, if we're trying to protect what we have here from becoming Seattle or Oakland or San Francisco or Los Angeles, this is the office that matters. They call them district attorneys. We call them county attorneys. Rachel, what am I missing? This is it, right? You are the tip of the spear for keeping our community safe and orderly, aren't you? This is it. Uh, It's an unusual time for the county attorney race to be um, held because normally it's held at, at the same time as the presidential election, but because this is a special election. Uh, And so people are a little bit, you know, confused about the difference between the county attorney and the attorney general, Mm -hmm. but it is the county attorney, as you say, that the tip of the spear in terms of fighting crime and upholding the laws and prosecuting felonies that occur within our county. Let's uh, let's do a reset for uh, any of the new audience members tuning in. Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa dot com is the website. Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa dot com to learn more about Rachel and to help the candidacy out, which I encourage strongly. Rachel, um, tell tell any of the new audience members uh, again about something that just I admire so much about your career, which has been um, on the front lines of protecting our most vulnerable namely our children and victims of sex abuse. Um, You have been on those front lines in the Maricopa County Attorney's Office doing that. But, you know, you haven't been making the headlines in doing so. You've been quietly and steadily and seriously doing it. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself and that career of fighting for children and victims of sex abuse. Sure. Um, You know, I I got introduced to the particular area when I was a law clerk and— worked with some um, attorneys, and it just, uh, honestly, it grabbed my heart. I uh, looked at all of these kids that were being abused for years, physically, sexually in particular, uh, women who were being sexually abused by people they knew, strangers, and um, it's, you know, they're such a vulnerable population, and so I spent 25 years of my life uh, prosecuting those cases. Uh, I've prosecuted a number of high-profile cases, but I've also prosecuted many, many meaningful cases that you've never heard of. Yeah. 
uh, but mean a lot to those victims. And uh, it's just, you know, I've written legislation. Um, I've taught all over the Arizona as well as across the nation so that uh, people can investigate better, prosecute more effectively. And uh, it just means uh, that area of the law means the world to me. Beyond wanting the audience to know your biography about that, I want it to I want them to understand too, Rachel, how serious and strong a prosecutor you are and would be uh, in your continuation in this office as our county attorney. I say that because you have to have a really strong stomach and heart to stay in that area. I in very small legal career. Many moons ago in another state, for a few moments, I was working on on um, I was working against child porn is what I was working on. I couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard stuff. And that's not even, you know, I mean, that's pornography. Mm-hmm. It's not what you're dealing with. Um, I mean, it is in some respects. But I mean, you're, you're dealing with the acute kinetic, uh, uh, you know, outcomes of that stuff, the r- results of, 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 of it. You must be very strong and steady to do and stay at what you're doing. I mean, this is not for the weak of heart. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely have to put it in the, in the right context. It's not, you know, every day that I get to deal with, um, you know, seeing abuse, but it's right. every day that I get to help kids and, who have been abused. And, um, you know, you look at those pictures and, and they definitely haunt you. They yeah. stay with you. Yeah. Um, but, but those are kids that are being abused and they need help. And, um, you know, the best way I can do that is to be the best prosecutor I can be. I, I use those skills that way and, and go on. I, I learned recently about how long and deep your roots in this community are. Talk to this audience about how this community can change if your opponent takes the reins of this office. What's at stake here? What are we looking at? What are the potentials and the potential differences between your steering this office and your Democratic Party opponent? Um, you know, and I, I would say this. I wouldn't even say that she's a Democrat. Um, I think Democrats want law and order, and I think they want safe communities, which she is as a radical social activist um, who wants to use the county attorney's office to carry out a radical social agenda. She is not a prosecutor. Um, She has every single uh, plank in her platform that all of these failed prosecutors across the country have had. Um, She is anti-police. She wants to defund them. She wants to dramatically reduce prison population without telling us who she wants to let out or why she wants to let them out. Um, She is supported by a group that advocates abolishing prisons and abolishing the police. She wants to end cash bail. She wants to end mandatory sentencing, which, of course, would include mandatory sentencing for child molesters, rapists, murderers. Um, In other words, she wants to let anarchy and lawlessness prevail. And, uh, you know, we've seen the impact of that on cities such as Los Angeles yeah. and San Francisco. Yeah. You know, I mean, frankly, she's so radical that she could not even get elected in San Francisco right now because they had a taste of Chesa Budin there right. and they kicked him out and they put in a real prosecutor. That's right. That's exactly right. I was talking with uh, someone you may or may not know the other day. Uh, I think she's one of our finer criminologists, maybe the finest in the country, uh, Heather MacDonald. She was looking at your Mm -hmm. opponent's record. Yeah, you know who she is. And she was looking at your opponent's record, 
And she was saying, you know, I study a lot of this stuff on the East Coast where she's based. She said, I, I think your opponent is worse than, than the DA in Philadelphia. I think your opponent is worse than the DA in New York. I think you're – and she also does some work in California. She said, I think your opponent is worse than L.A. I mean, if you look at these cities and the and the kinds of stories you see that mostly get only aired on places like Fox News, these people that are turnstile – in and out of prison, in and out of jail the same day for violent crimes, back out committing them with axes, with other weapons, uh, destroying uh, communities and lives. And we're looking at someone who's worse than that? My God, Rachel. The only victims that she cares about are people she calls victims of the system, mm-hmm. um, which are people that I call criminals. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's what she cares about. And, and she actually wants to form a bureau within the office, if she got to take over, God forbid, that would target police officers and go after prosecuting them. So let's let the criminals out of the prisons, but let's put the police in. Unbelievable. I mean, it, it's just she could not be more unsuited. I've, I've, I, I've known some of your predecessors in that office a little bit, and my memory is they, they tend to work, you know, hand in glove with police. And yes, of course, prosecuting anyone uh, who breaks the law or deserves prosecution, but having to work hand in glove with the police, if that phrase is fair, you use whatever phrase you want, to keep our community safe um, is, is, it seemed to me, kind of crucial to the office if you're prosecuting the crimes that they're expected to arrest um, for. The idea, the idea that you would set up a new institution within the prosecutor's office to exclusively look for, look for, because I know how prosecutors are. I know how defense attorneys are. You know, they want they they want they want a tote board to look for actively go after the police. It seems to me stunning and shocking that the police would work with the county attorney's office. Well, it would seem stunning and shocking that the police would work at all after that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, We've seen a mass exodus in other cities when they don't have the support of the prosecutor or the the city council, and I think you would see the same thing here. We're already number, you know, many numbers down, but that would just exacerbate the situation. You know, this is not a situation where you have a, a county attorney who's unwilling to prosecute police. As a line right. attorney, I have yeah. prosecuted police officers, of uh, but by and large, the vast majority of the men and women that put the badge and the uniform on every day do a great job standing between us and criminal activity. And uh, it is critical that we have a, a working partnership with them. We'll, let, let, me, let me just put it starkly, Rachel, and I'll let you conclude it with however you want, take however much time you want to do so. But let me just put it this way. If we don't keep you in this office, my thesis is we lose Phoenix. We lose Maricopa mm-hmm. County. That I, I just believe it that starkly. But you can tell the audience, you can close this interview however you'd like to close it, Rachel. You know what I would say is this. This this person, this is the most predictable race out there, even though neither of us have ever held public office before. I'm a first-time candidate. She's a third-time candidate, having lost twice before. But her policies have been tried out in other cities, and they have failed. So we know the outcome of that. And I am a 30-year prosecutor who has stood for upholding the law and protecting victims and putting victims first. And this is my community. And so that is also a predictable outcome because I have a 30-year track record. Amen, Rachel Mitchell. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. Again, you know, thankless work in this, in this, in this area of law 
that uh, is so dark but so necessary to keep the lights on in our community. Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa.com, easy enough website, folks. Help her out because this is how you save your city. This is the race to save your city. Rachel Mitchell for Maricopa.com. I'm Seth Leapson. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're worried about the stock market and its volatility, know that you're not alone. But there are options for you. If you could invest in a portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return and no correlation to the stock market, you'd be interested in that, wouldn't you? Enter my friends and show sponsors why refi. They're offering up a great investment, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10.25% return for investors. The investment can be a joint investment. It can be an individual investment, an IRA, a trust. Why refi is a due diligence approved firm. It's made up of, as I said, really great guys who do really good for others. And you can be part of that too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y dot com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. Never a sales pitch. I've been getting a lot of calls and emails lately uh, uh, to, do a, to do a segment uh, or an offering on um, – the ballot propositions. Uh, the uh, if, if my producer doesn't tell me once a day about that sort of thing, uh, then uh, then uh, I don't know how um, uh, who my producer is. I think I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'll do it with George Kaloff tomorrow. Uh, we'll let you know more about that um, in uh, in a little bit. But uh, speaking of uh, our ballots, Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob. Hi, Seth. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Of course, I um I called because and yes, of course I vote. I voted today, um, and I of course voted for Rachel and all the uh, important people with R's after their name. <laughs> um, and also, and also the proposition I have, you know, the Republican Party of Arizona's official 2022 golden ticket, which lists, uh, you know, the the Republicans that they recommend and the proposition voting guy, um, and. One one of the big issues that I saw uh, is is the staggering number of circuit court judges, none of which you know we really know about. And even though one of the thick voting uh, handouts that you get, it'll list their names. It's a nonpartisan thing for one. Uh, whether they should be retained, yes or no. Okay, and then they give you a little bit of info on. Uh, you know, whether they've been approved and by some commission or not. And there was only a couple that weren't. Uh, and then there were a lot, there were several that had, you know, some people didn't vote. But I, I don't know. I mean, I voted the way I thought after reading and doing the homework, which is awfully brutal. So, you know, number one, I don't know if I'm right or not. Number two, anybody that votes on voting day, that's going to take, you know, a good. It's a really uh, good point you're making. Yeah, I mean, if there's races here that you need to do some homework on, uh, do not wait for November eighth. Yeah, and they do in the big one of the big. There's several uh, voting book. They do give you the chance to uh, put a yes/no uh, on a page. Yeah, like on a worksheet. Yeah. 
yeah, a worksheet, and then you know you can tear it out and everything. But it, it's really kind of jumping into a, a blind area because, again, I, I don't know, and it's my fault, I guess. I don't know which circuits are where. It's not your fault. It's not. It's totally not your fault. I mean, how – Edmund Burke, we've quoted him a million times. That's probably an exaggeration. But we've quoted Edmund Burke <laughs> uh, prodigiously that, you know, manners are more important than laws because laws only touch us here and there. How many people know who the judges are? How many people, if they've ever even been to court, remember the name of yeah. their judge, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's now, not your and, fault, and again, Rob. They, no, it's uh, – I, I, you, you never see, you know, signs uh, anywhere posted at street corners. You never uh, – one never – I don't say you particular. One never hears anything, you know, unless somebody's – one of them's been arrested for uh, breaking the law, I guess, um, which I don't recall anybody having done lately. Um, but I, I just wonder if other people have this same problem. You've got really the, the, the elected official or the people to elect with an R or a D after them. That's the easy part. The proposition, again, the Republican Party of Arizona has broken it down to which ones to vote yes on and which ones to vote no on. Um, one that isn't listed on that is Proposition 130, which apparently, is that the one that had the, uh, there's, there's one that's being heavily funded by California. On, the, uh, on the debt, the debt one? The one on yeah. Medical debt and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that's a real Trojan yeah. horse, by the way. Uh, that's a big no. Well, that is a big yeah. no. Yeah. That's right. And that's one that actually, this, this handout, this one pager, yeah. didn't even list. Yeah. But, and, and so I'm, I'm, kind of uh, I'm, I'm bringing that out because people really should vote no on that because it's another uh, californication of uh, arizona it really is yeah and it's going to make access to capital much more difficult especially for the population that needs more access to capital well exactly and um uh, and so but and so the voting in november for those that do it they've got to do their homework uh and with the circuit court judges um they're all currently, you know, with, they're all in their position. So it's a matter of voting whether or not to retain them. You know, retain them, yes. Don't retain them, no. I did put a few no's down uh, because a couple of them weren't recommended uh, by their either peers or some commission that looks at qualifications in, in the big tick book, uh, one of the big tick books. So uh, I don't know. I mean... Uh, it's, and and I think that's the single most time-consuming part of the election, and it's also the one that probably baffles people the most, because it sure baffles me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say anyway. something unpopular, and it might get me in trouble. Well, I don't know if it's unpopular, but I know it'll get me in trouble. I don't even think we should be voting on the retention of judges, to be honest with you. You know what? Let me uh, Let me fill that thought in on the other side of this break. It's uh, one I, I kind of really strongly believe in, and no one has been able to talk me out of. I'll share it with you when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, and look who came into the studio. It's our good friend, Hugh Hallman. Um, he was getting, Hi, Mr. Feely. Yeah, exactly. Move down, move down. Uh, Hugh Hallman is the former mayor of Tempe. He is, of course, an attorney in town, and he usually joins us Tuesdays on the third hour, but uh, was uh, 
here a little early to do some work, and I said, come and do your work on air. Hugh, let me run something by you just before you got here, um, talking with the audience about they were asking about, you know, advice or thoughts on voting for um, judge retention, judicial retention, the retention of judges, which is on the ballot. And I said, and you know, I said I, I might get in trouble for saying this, but I did say that um, I don't even think we should be doing that. It seems to me an invitation to corruption. I like the notion of a, a of a judiciary that's a third branch that is uh, put on the bench. By the way, we do it. We elect our executive officers. Our executive officers nominate the judges, and then they have a tenure that is irrespective of the whims and vicissitudes of uh, popular. Uh, popular thought at the, at a given time. I, I just I don't like the idea that we're voting on judges. Tell me I'm wrong. Okay, you're wrong. Okay, um, I agree with you, but you're oh, wrong. Okay. Uh, that's what you told me to do. But okay. uh, so I I am a Madisonian in the logic that was expressed in uh, by him and Hamilton primarily about the judiciary in the in the Federalist Papers that there is a reason to keep judges out of the ebb and flow, the fray of political campaigns, because of the potential to corrupt. And certainly we have some fairly famous examples now, uh, one from as recently as 2010, uh, was West Virginia Supreme Court Justice, was elected to that state's highest court, uh, and a private person uh, donated almost $3 million to that judge's election. And lo and behold, about a year and a half later, a case he had been pursuing made it to that Supreme Court on appeal from the Court of Appeals, the lower court. Um, It's uh, Massey versus Ferguson. And the U.S. Supreme Court took an appeal from the, uh, the case because the plaintiff in the case, who ultimately lost when the Supreme Court overturned the claims. It was a it was a case about a um, coal mining company. Uh, they appealed to the Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court said that the judge should or the justice should have recused himself from hearing the case. It was the deciding vote, and that it just smelled bad, looked bad. The appearance of impropriety was so large that, as a matter of equal protection. Um, and due process, so 14th Amendment kinds of claims that lawyers are familiar with, the stuff you typically hear about coming out of the ACLU, that on that basis, the justice should have recused himself, and they overturned the West Virginia Supreme Court's decision on that grounds. In fact, it was that case that was used here in the state of Arizona uh, as a sword against a large monopoly um, utility before the Arizona Corporation Commission, when that utility had been thought to have spent millions of dollars in electing corporation commissioners. And that case was brought out. Uh, this was 2015, used that case to argue that because so much money had been spent by potentially that utility, uh, which it was refusing to respond to questions by that time and say that it, it had no comment about whether or not it had engaged in those campaigns, that the appearance of impropriety was sufficiently large that the the commissioners who had been elected uh, in, during that cycle and with that money uh, should recuse themselves. And I think that's a, a policy that underscores or underlies what you're talking about, the stench of potential corruption or just the appearance of it, undermines our sense of justice. Now, 
Maricopa County and Pima County don't actually have elections for judges. As you know, you, you refer to it as the retention election. I'm much less troubled by that. And if you want to know who's uh, uh, responsible for taking Maricopa County and Pima County out of the elections, outside the outside counties, all elect have direct elections of their judges. That is to say they collect signatures to get on the ballot. They run campaigns to get elected and they have competitive races to be the judge. You can see how that could be fraught with danger. And the person we have uh, come yeah, up yeah, with, yeah. person we have to thank for at least Maricopa County and Pima County not having that direct election anymore is former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Oh, interesting. Boy, you did that without a note or an expectation. That, you're good. I'm Seth Liebson. Happy to uh, take calls. Hugh is as well. 602-508-0960. Clearly, as you can see, about anything. I'm Seth. He's Hugh. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. As inflation rises and your dollars are stretched thinner, more people are considering a reverse mortgage. I'm here to showcase bingo reverse mortgages and share how their trusted team can take some of the guesswork out of it and the benefits to you. Bottom line, a reverse mortgage allows you to convert equity in your home into cash or to purchase a home. To qualify, you must be a homeowner at least 55 years old and have sufficient equity in your home. A reverse mortgage can be your ace in the hole when it comes to actually retiring instead of dreaming of retirement. The fact is, most Americans won't be able to retire, but bingo reverse mortgage is saving the American retirement. Get the safety net you deserve. Call the incredible bingo team at 928-277-4476. That's 928-277-4476. Or visit BingoReverseMortgage.com. Tell them I sent you and get a free appraisal reimbursed at closing, a $1,000 value. That's BingoReverseMortgage.com. Another veteran-owned and staffed company. Hugh Hallman in studio, former mayor of Tempe, attorney, educator, many things. We were talking a little bit about uh, the uh, vote for retaining judges. And uh, I had a caller uh, before you got here, Hugh. You're saying, you know, I don't know these judges. Maybe that's my fault. It's not his fault. I mean, how many people ever have to face a judge and how many people who have faced a judge ever remember their names? As Edmund Burke said on manners, right, the laws touch us here and there and now and then, not very often. Maybe more so now there's more laws. But I can't blame people for not knowing them. And I think it's my own my own my own my own preference is this. Unless you are a judge or justice who has been a guest on this show or guest hosted this show, I just I don't believe in voting on retention of justices or judges. Now, you've made a good case for 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 how we do it a little bit differently here in Maricopa. Did you want to did you want to expand on that? Yeah. in the great Bob Newhart would say, would you like to go with that, Mrs. Robinson? Yes, of course I would. Um, uh, The the point about retention elections is that most people don't know who the judges are. And that's actually a good thing. What that tells you is that the retention election is kind of doing what it's supposed to do, that most people don't know enough either to vote at all or they vote yes, and typically. Some people I, I know well have made the decision to vote against every judge only on the grounds that even in the most extreme instances where it was a couple of decades ago now, we had a judge who had actually been convicted of using marijuana illegally in the time it was really, really illegal. And even that judge did not lose his seat. Um, And I still think in that retention election got 55% of the vote. So 
let's pretend that these elections don't play, take place. What we have is a system typically where judges are appointed or justices are appointed, and then they're subject to being uh, recalled by either a direct vote through people gathering signatures. A recall can take place even uh, – or, or we have an impeachment. Well, effectively, the retention election is kind of an impeachment process. That is to say, since almost nobody knows much about any of these judges and doesn't care – they vote yes or don't vote at all. And so we continue on. The judges retain their seats. That's why it's a retention election. They never go out and collect signatures to be put on the ballot. They're put on the ballot automatically. They don't campaign because there's not a candidate against them. They're not running against anybody. It's just, is this somebody who should remain a judge? And so those retention elections kind of give us an automatic um, uh, referendum on them. That is to say, only the ones who are the worst and even in the instances in, in Maricopa County, there have been very few judges who have not succeeded in retaining their seats. There have been some who have not succeeded. And what explains that? The Bar Association lawyers, they find judges who are not doing a good job and take a little bit of an active effort to spread the word that this is not somebody who really should stay in office. But it is a very rare instance in which somebody does not retain their seat. And so in some ways, yes, it doesn't make any sense that we're electing them, but we're not electing them. Okay. We're just not taking them out of office. Yeah. Which tempers a little bit of my view. But other, you know, 13 other counties, I think it's 13, 14 now, I don't yeah. remember. Uh, jeepers, I can't now remember. How many counties are there in Arizona? I've been here when there have been different numbers. <laughs> um, uh, La Paz. Uh, so the, uh, the reality is there are outside of Maricopa County and Pima County, there are real elections taking place for judges and it has the danger, I think, and that's what certainly Justice O'Connor was uh, talking about in creating a system in which our judges are appointed. Our Supreme Court justices, our courts of appeals are appointed. They are not elected. I was watching a clip yesterday, uh, some judge in some place. I, I, I'm pretty sure not Arizona, and I don't remember, and maybe someone in the audience saw it too on the news, a female judge who uh, took her job very seriously in uh, directing young men particularly to think about the serious consequences of their actions and really taking them to the mat for the things that they had done wrong. And I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm thinking of all the jobs you've had and all the jobs I want you to have. You'd make a damn good judge. You'd make a damn good judge. Have you ever considered uh, possibly uh, applying for that position of a judge? Because uh, you have to apply, right? Yeah, one has to apply in Maricopa County and, and for the Courts of Appeals and I the could Supreme see Court. You really, uh, and then one goes through the interview process and all of that. I now love this idea. I'm that's now going with this idea. Well, you'll have to speak to a governor who would appoint me. And uh, although the, the, I argue that maybe I belong to the um, Groucho Marx school that I would not uh, belong to a club that would accept me as a member. <laughs> I wanted to praise you on something I've never raised on radio, I don't think, and, I, and I've been meaning to because I hear people doing this often and it just irks me. And I want to praise you. You didn't do it. You were talking about power and corruption in the previous segment uh, relative to this. Um, most people, you didn't, most people get the Lord act in quote wrong. They usually will say, Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's not the quote. Well, typically, the quote that's is, how I say it. So power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's important to remember tends to corrupt, which I think is important to restate. Not just because I want to be um, so exacting or so so um, you know 
whatever the word. Yeah, so exacting about this. But the notion that, yeah, just because you have a judge of some tenure or a position, a person in the position of power for some time, it doesn't mean that they are ipso facto corrupt or corrupting. Correct. It can corrupt. It isn't by definition corrupt. And, and in fact, that's one of my greatest arguments about the Republican Party drumbeat, that this person is a, a lifetime politician, uh, we have to get rid of them, etc. I try to make my decision not how long somebody's been office, but in office, but what what quality of service are they providing in that office? And uh, it is on that same philosophy. Now, I personally set a standard when uh, I ran for mayor, when I ran for council and mayor. It was my mother and I sat down um, when I decided to run for mayor. And she said, if you are elected, you really need to get your mind around the fact that you can only do this for two terms mm -hmm. uh, because power tends to corrupt. And what Madison and uh, Hamilton and Jay and all the other founders understood is the human condition is such that it is not that we're creating barriers to good people. It is we are creating barriers because all of us are human yeah. and that all of us can be tempted. Yeah. And that is the reason that there is uh, our Ten Commandments right. uh, and that we are trying to live rules that are set down to keep us on the right road because we are human and corruptible. George Washington could have done anything he wanted with his presidency, including extending it, and he walked away. Another reason he was so indispensable and such a great man. Let me take a quick commercial break. I'm with Hugh Hallman, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Hugh Hallman is going to stay with us into the next hour. Happy to take your calls on anything. As you can see, he's a polyglot and a polymath. 602-508-0960. They used to kid you and tease you and beat you up for being a polyglot and a polymath. That's right, but I've lost weight since. <laughs> we'll talk about a thing on that, too, in the next hour. Hugh, um, underappreciated it really is. I just said it off uh, off the cuff. but I wasn't listening, so you can say it again. I <laughs> <laughs> repetition is the essence of pedagogy. And repetition is so the essence of pedagogy. George Washington, waiters, we didn't have term limits. Yeah. We didn't have term limits for the presidency. And George Washington was so revered, so admired, so respected, and so crucial to uh, our founding and, 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 and our republic at the, at, the, at the upshot and since. He could, literally could have done anything. He probably could have stayed forever. And his walking away is a big, underappreciated element of his greatness and his statesmanship. Just his walking away. You don't see it a lot. We have a couple examples here. Turns out they're men of great, great, great admiration for me. Um, I think of... Uh, uh, I think of uh, Matt Salmon. He walked away. but Well, he but, signed a pledge that yeah. he would only serve three terms yeah. and did. And John Shattuck. John Shattuck. He was one of the greatest public servants I've ever known. Spectacular. And I'm not – my point was about my own background. My mother made it a point of uh, pride that I would walk away after two terms. I can't say that I'm great like George Washington. I had a smart, good mother who would have been very disappointed. She passed away before she taught my you the Washington virtues. She did indeed. And 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 I had to accept them. But that is I agree with you completely. Perhaps the most important thing he did for this country was create that model which stayed with us until uh, Franklin Roosevelt decided that 
he was indispensable. Mm, that's right. And uh, I think scholars writing on that subject would argue the president doesn't run the war, uh, that the president provides direction, and a campaign still took place, but he was beating the drum that he was indispensable, right. and most folks said, yeah, no, okay, well, we won't change horses in the in midstream. And that's where that came from. But ultimately, the the Congress responded and the states responded, and we ended up with an amendment to the Constitution that limits presidents to two terms. Yep. It's a little bit sad to me that we ended up having to do it that way right. because right. the greatness of this society was proving that we have the ability to select leaders who know the difference. And uh, in that instance, we lost a little bit. Yeah, I hear your point. When we come back, let's get into a lot of stuff. Uh, COVID, strategic petroleum reserve, elections, pretty much just everything. Um, I'm Seth Liebson. He's Hugh Hallman. You want to line up? 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.